good morning, Calvary. Good morning to our online listeners as well. As we know, there are probably more of you today as the TSC uh, fall break, I almost said spring break, don't we wish, um, was happening. And as we are continuing on with our series, In Him, I want to remind us where we've been so that we can know where we're going. So this idea of In Him is the idea that as we focus on Christ, and as we place ourselves in Him, we have meaning. And so we're looking through the Ephesians chapter 1 because Paul has actually used the word in Christ or in him 164 times thereabouts in his writings alone. If someone uses it that much, it's probably important. And so the idea of in him started a few weeks ago with this idea of in him we are fulfillment of a plan. The beginning of Ephesians chapter 1, although it's often debated about, is really the idea that praise be to God, God has a plan. Isn't that exciting news? Praise be to God, God has a plan. And that plan includes you and me. You and I were not an accident. You and I were not just a happenstance. And in the course of the way this has worked, God made a plan through his son, Jesus. So when the father made his way through Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross for us, this was not a plan B. This was not something that God was like, oh no, the people have sinned. What do I do now? And all of the Old Testament points to the fulfillment of what Christ would do on the cross. From the story of Adam and Eve when they were on the garden. From the story of Noah and the promise of the rainbow. From the story of the covenant of the new temple. All of these stories are the foreshadowing of what Jesus would do. The centrality point of all of time, of history, of his story, is when Jesus was crucified on the cross. And the good news is, because he died on the cross, because he was buried in the ground for three days, and because he arose from the dead and is now alive and is knowable, the Christmas story, Christmas is coming, right? How do we know Christmas is coming? Because it's already come. Emmanuel, God is with us. Ain't nobody found nobody, right? Because God is with us and he is still alive, we can have access to him, the redemption of our souls. That's what we talked about last week. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, let me just encourage you. Right here, right now. Realize that the most important decision you can make in your life is to choose to walk with Jesus. And you can know him because he is alive and his spirit can come in you. And then that begs the question, after we receive Jesus, what next? What next? Ephesians chapter 1 We're going to continue on in verses 11 and 12. Ephesians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there or turn into it on your device or look on the screen. In Him, it's almost like that would be a good title for a series, right? In Him, we have also received an inheritance. Why? Because we've been redeemed. Because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of His will. So that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. So in him we have a purpose. Why do we have a purpose? Because he fulfilled his purpose. We have a purpose because he fulfilled his purpose. And in him we can rest and in him we can trust and in him we have hope. And I don't know what you walked into this world today, but I hope that you understand that God has a plan for your life. Now here's the problem. Have you ever had seasons of your life? We've talked about the seasons a lot lately. Seasons of your life where you feel like the prayers aren't going past the ceiling. I have. 
I remember being on a racquetball court preparing a sermon. While I was on a racquetball court, I was at a camp setting, preparing a sermon, going, God, I don't know that you're even hearing me right now. I'm in a dry spell of my soul. I remember um, times being on the side of the road, two students passed away, the, the winter of my soul. I remember even being in the closet uh, at my house here in, in West Lafayette, going, God, I'm struggling today. You will have seasons in your life that are difficult. In fact, if we were to survey the room right now, let me just encourage you. I encourage you by this. You're not alone because some of you are in a season of winter and you've been in a season of winter for a while. And you're sitting here going, God, when's the harvest coming? Seasons only last for a little while. But as you're going to see today, the way that we get past the season of winter is to plant some seeds in the ground, okay? And as you plant the seeds in the ground, the springtime starts to come and the ground begins to thaw and the farmer works the land. God grows the crops, right? But the farmer works the land and we begin to see a little hope and have a little hope. And then there can be a season of summer where growth is really happening and you're sitting there going, look, I can't wait for harvest. I can't wait for harvest because you know the harvest is coming. And maybe some of you are in a season of harvest where you feel like your life is full of bountiful richness and God's blessing. You're like, man, life is great and we want to stay there, but you know what comes after the harvest? Winter. And so no matter what season you're in, know that it's temporary, but that should not change the way that we view God. It should not change our purpose. A farmer is a farmer in the winter as much as they are in the harvest. Amen? You do realize the farmers work in the winter, right? Uh, let's leave the farmers alone for a moment. You do work like, you realize that like guys who work in the fire station do more than just fight fires, right? They have to train. They don't just sleep all the time and play bat. Well, they do that too, but they, they do a lot of work. You realize that teachers don't just get summer off. Do you realize that pastors work more than Sunday mornings? It was supposed to be funny. No one laughed. <laughs> Thank you. The reality is sometimes we have views of the way things work and they operate, but the seasons of our life, you're, there's still stuff to do with every season to prepare for when the harvest, to prepare for when we're needed, to prepare, prepare for when we're in the prime of our life. So no matter what season you're in, I want you to realize we care for you. In fact, one of the marks of a healthy church, I've said this before, I will say it again. One of the marks of a healthy church is that the people who are in a winter can celebrate with the people who are in a season of harvest, and the people who are in a season of harvest can mourn with those in the people who are in a season of winter simultaneously. And so if you're in a place of rejoicing, we rejoice with you. If you're in a place of pain, we pray for you, we care for you, and we want you to know there is hope in the God that we serve. The seasons, though, don't dictate our purpose. So that begs the question, what's our purpose? Well, the general purpose of what we were all made to do, you, 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 me, okay, is found at the end of chapter, uh, at the end of 1, 11 into 12, who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will, the purpose of Christ's will, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. Our purpose is to bring him praise. The reason you exist is to bring him praise. 
The way that you will find hope is to bring him praise. Why? Because we are sons and daughters of the kings. We've received the inheritance of the promised relationship with God. We are no longer distant. We have been adopted back into the family. So our purpose isn't just to exist as sons and daughters, but rather because we are sons and daughters, because we have received an inheritance, we live for the glory of the Father. We are to live for the glory of the Father no matter how old we are, no matter how young we are, no matter what we do, and in every facet, we live for the glory of the Father. So do you do that? How do you live for God? Let's look back to verses 7 through 10 and pick up the story of how we are to live for the glory of the Father. You see, in verse 7, it says, In Him we have the redemption through His blood. That's what we talked about last week. The fact that God has brought us back into the relationship. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Trespasses is a fancy word for sins, our mistakes. Through the forgiveness of our mistakes, according to the riches of His grace. Can you hear it building? We were lost. We've been given grace. We're now back into the family fold. We're now back that He richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure that He purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and on things and things on earth in Him. You see, at just the right time, God brought thing, everything together. Do you realize that when Jesus came in the history of time, there's been entire classes taught on this, there was probably no better time for Christ to come because God knew what he was doing. The Roman Empire had unified much of the world, and the gospel was being shared easily because there weren't a lot of divisions. The Roman Empire was thriving, and they had a way of communicating. They had a way of traveling. They had a way of spreading the gospel like no other generation before them had had. So when Jesus came, it was ripe time for communication. When Jesus came, the Jewish people were in a need for the gospel based on the way it was. The world was ready. It was primed, and I could go into much more detail, but at just the right time, God brought the fruition of his plan into the world for the glory of his name. Now, this verse talks about how in the idea of bringing everything together in both things in heaven and on things in earth, do you realize the vastness of this universe? In fact, one commentary says it like this. Did all of the oceans of years contain a purpose? And was that purpose a carpenter in Nazareth in an obscure corner and now a vanquished empire whom his contemporaries would nail to a criminal's cross? Did all the oceans of years contain a purpose and was that purpose a carpenter of Nazareth in an obscure corner and now a vanquished empire whom his contemporaries were nailed to a criminal's cross? The God of this universe would take on the form of a baby. He was the son of a carpenter. He was not eloquent with speech. He was not the one who naturally would have, everybody would have elevated. He was, he was born in humble circumstances, in a humble time, in a pre-air-conditioned time, y'all. And he would come down and he would live a life for you in this time. And when it describes bringing the heavens and the earth, it's, it's that God is over all the heavens and all the earth. And, and the God of over all the heavens is the idea, do you realize the vastness of our universe? Because heavens in this passage doesn't mean heaven with God. It means beyond all of the realm, the sphere, the, the cosmos, if you will. The idea that, that every planet, every star, every galaxy that exists, 
that we are aware of, in all of that, the best of our knowledge, we are the only ones that exist. And the vastness of that is to bring glory to His name. And that it, when you look up at the stars, and you think, this is not just the result of a mathematical improbability. It can't be. And, and as a result, that, that we exist and we can look out the stars and, and we, can, we can look at the waves and we can look at the sunsets and the, the beauty of the pine trees and the, the, the wonderful leaves changing color is a general revelation to the idea that, that God is proving to Himself that He is worthy of glory. And that God made all those things to remind you and to remind me that He is worthy of glory. And because God is worthy of glory, then we have a purpose. We have a purpose in living with Him. And so this idea that all of the heavens and the earth means that as you look at your life, God placed you here, right here and right now, that you are not just a result of an accident between your mom and dad, no matter what you may have been told. <laughs> that you have a purpose with your personality, with your abilities, your strengths, to live for the glory of His renown. So what does that look like? Well, the general revelation, the general idea, the general purpose for you and for you and for you and for you and for you on the screen and for, for me is to live for the glory of His name. But here's the thing. That will look different for all of us. The way that we live for the glory of His name requires you being you, living for the glory of God. And the way that we can see that is that He richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding, that wisdom and understanding are words that are tied through not just that verse, but in fact, if you look at many translations of the Bible, many of the English translations of the Bible, they actually have a difficult time translating it because those two words are supposed to run through the rest of that passage. So the wisdom and understanding is what leads us to the mystery of His will. The wisdom and the understanding, understanding all of this, the way that plays out in our life is where we will find our purpose. So let's break those words down. The word wisdom is the word Sophie, Sophia. If you named your daughter Sophie, congratulations, you named her wise. The wisdom there is the idea of intellectual understanding. It is the comprehension and the knowledge that you understand who God is. But it's not just the understanding of who God is. The understanding there is the Greek word, and I'll probably mispronounce this one, phronius, is the insight of how to apply it. The wisdom and understanding is knowing about God and how to apply it to your life is what it's talking about there. Now here's how the way this practices in our churches today, and this is good. A lot of times you get told, hey, come to church, hear a sermon about God. Not only know what God is saying about your life, but apply what God is saying to your life, right? Open up and have a quiet time. Read your Bible every day. I strongly encourage that. And don't just read your Bible to go, oh, that's good to know, but, but find an application about what you're reading and apply it to your life, okay? Or when you go to a small group and you're learning something, and so this is the way this unfolds. It's like chase after knowledge of Christ, let that reflect on me, and then live that out. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, please do that. I want to hear that very clearly. Please do that. But there's more here to wisdom and understanding than just seeking after Christ. Can you say that? 
but rather the wisdom and understanding and the fact that we are found in Him means that as we chase after Him and as we seek Him, He reflects more on who we are. In other words, in order for you to fully live out who God has made you to be, you have to see the person that God made you to be while in Him. In other words, you've got to do a deep dive into understanding yourself. But we don't do that. Why don't we do that? Because we've never been told to, or we just... What happens if you don't do that? If you have your phones, pull it out for me. We're going to have a little fun experiment. You're like, I left my phone in my car. You're the good Christian. Congratulations, you're exempt. But if you have your phone out there, there's this little app on there called the calculator. And some of you may not need the calculator because, you know, Purdue. But some of you do need the calculator. So I, I'm, I'm inviting all of the math people to, to be in the... Okay, so here's, the, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick any four numbers and, and add them together in your calculator. Any four numbers you want. I'm doing it now too. Actually, I'm going to do it together within a minute. Okay, when you're done, hit equals. All right, now here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do it with you. Ready? I'm going to enter 6 plus 95, and I have not pre-practiced this, so, I don't, so if you want to add this along with me, you're, you're probably smarter than me, plus 396 plus 98,751. Oh, man, I didn't get to 100,000. That's very disappointing. I got 99,248. That, that, that's, that's the sum. Did I beat anybody? Did, yeah, did I beat you? Because somebody like, well, you didn't tell me I could do more than one digit, Daniel. Yeah, I mean, that's cheating. But see, this is the way that we live our life, right? It's like, I, I'm not fulfilled, and so I'm going to add a little social activity into my life, plus three. I'm going to get married, plus 98,432. Husbands, that is the answer. I, I'm, I'm going to get a promotion, plus 64. I'm, 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 I'm going to get the raise, woohoo, plus 92. I'm, I'm going to have the 2.3 kids, plus 2.3. And I'm going to keep adding, and, I'm gonna, and then I'm going to hit enter, and I'm going to try to find the fulfillment of my life. And, and then we come up with some random equation and some random number, and we wonder why we're not fulfilled. You know why you're not filled? You don't know what the sum's supposed to add up to. If you keep adding things hoping to find the, the answer, you will never find the answer unless you come up to what you're trying to hit. And sometimes, to get the sum, you have to do some subtractions from your life, right? Shout out to the person after the last service who pointed that out to me. Don't normally do that, but it was great. And the idea here is, what are you trying to add up to? So as you take that in there it says to bring everything together verse 10 as plants the right time to bring everything together that is the idea of adding up summarizing so if you're supposed to live in wisdom and understanding to a sum it's how will your life be defined i've done quite a few funerals now in my 10 years here and if i do some of your funerals someday I don't want the answer to be, man, she made really good soup. He was mostly friendly. I hope I'm able to say his life summed up in a way that glorified God as an accountant. 
as the widow. If there's air in your lungs, you have a chance to live for the glory of God with the way that God made you. So, Daniel, I, I, that sounds good. And if my, my general life, my general existence is to give God praise, how do I know how I should live? And so this is the deeper dive. And here's the equation that you can add up together to come up to the way to know how to live your life for the glory of God. Are you ready? There's three, three factors in this equation. One, your passions. Two, your context. Three, your abilities or giftedness. That's the sweet spot of ministry. Thanks, Will Mancini. Your passions, the context and your abilities, your passions. What are you, what are you passionate about? Are you passionate about sports? How can you use it for the glory of God? Say, I don't know. Well, you're around other people who play sports. Have you ever thought about talking about God in sports? But that's sports. Right. You can still use it for the glory of God. Because in that passion, you're going to find yourself in a context. The context is more than just what you're passionate about, right? The context is also the names you wear. I'm a father, husband, son, right? I'm a pastor, I'm a friend. I am, what are the names you wear? And that's the context. I'm an employee. I am a, the who do I run into. Those contexts will help you define how and where you're going to live out. But the passions is what you're caring about. So use your strength. To, are you good at knitting? How can you use that for the glory of God? Have you overcome something and, and God has given you a passion about it? Maybe you're going to be passionate about it and celebrate recovery. You're using a passion. God brought me out of this in the context of my brokenness to help people see Christ, right? And then you're using your abilities because God does not give us all the same abilities, amen? Some of you are like, Daniel, I'm so glad that you want to be a pastor because I could never get up on stage and speak in front of other people, ever. You know what I've always been able to do? Stand up in front of people and speak. You know what I wish I was really good at? Fixing things. This last week, y'all, I fixed the toilet in my house. It took me three times in two weeks, but I did it. I did it. And some of you could have done that in five seconds, which took me way too long to do. But here's the thing. I've long since accepted I'm not naturally gifted at that. Now, there are times I'm still called to do it because I could fix the toilet. I did. Just because it's harder for me. So I, we are called to sometimes do stuff that is difficult for us. Let me give you another case in point. I grew up in a church where everybody was, it was the idea of if you are good at talking to people about Jesus, random strangers, that's the mark that you are a holy Christian. Now, hear me. You are supposed to occasionally in your life talk to non-Christians about Christ. But some of you, I could look around this room, and some of you have what we call the gift of evangelism. You know how you have the gift of evangelism? You have the gift of gab. You would lead a brick wall to Christ if it allowed you to talk to, okay? And in that context, this is your natural gifting, and you should do that. And you're going to lead probably more people to Christ in that context than I will, and I'm a pastor, okay? But I'm still called to call people and talk to people about Christ, I'm just not going to be the person who does that as much. I'm fixing the toilet. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Oh, that analogy did not play out well in my head. <laughs> Scratch that. Um, but as you're thinking this through, what are your natural abilities? Because you're going to find fulfillment in your purpose when you know your giftedness. Are you an extroverted? God can use... Extroverted? Are you extroverted? God can use that. Are you introverted? God can use that. 
Are you, are you good with your hands and your abilities? God can use that. Are you good with children? God can use that. Are you good with senior adults? God can use that. Are you, if you have air in your lungs, you have a purpose. So I'm inviting you today. Take the deep dive and to see who God made you to be in your abilities, your context, and your passions. And to summarize all those up into 12 words. We discussed this in the Ebenezer series, if you want to go back and watch this. And try to summarize how God has gifted you in 12 words. I am made to glorify God by, insert 12 words, and see if you can do it. And then live your life out for that sum, that purpose. Mine is personalizing transformation in leaders and churches by means of regenerative, by means is free, by the way, by means of regenerative vulnerability and maximizing divine giftedness. I'm best gifted at investing in leaders one-on-one by taking people's brokenness and by taking their giftedness and showing them how they can be transformed by the glory of God. That's me. That should not be you. By the way, regenerative was a word I made up, I think. It may be a real word, but I had to come up with a fancy word because my words were way too long. So it just means regenerate again and again. Okay, so that idea. So the idea here is as you come and live out to the sum of your life, you will find your purpose. Ephesians 1, 11, and 12 says, In him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will, so that we had already put our hope in Christ may bring praise to his glory. One last thing about your purpose that's real important. As you're walking with him, as you're dwelling in him, as you're living in him, it's important that your purpose fulfills an agreement with his purpose. Let me explain it like this. You might come to me and go, Daniel, you may not know this, but I'm the world's aficionado at underwater basket weaving. I'm really good at it. In fact, I'm passionate about it. I have the ability about it. And so we're going to create a context at Calvary where we practice underwater basket, you know, weaving. And I need you to get to people and I will say, nope, that's not your purpose. You know why? Because underwater basket weaving would be ridiculous. Right? We get that. Kids, if you don't know that, it would be really hard to do. And so I would say that is not about the kingdom. It's not an agreement. And so here's what I would say. Live your purpose, but you need to verify your purpose by other people saying yes. You need to verify your purpose by seeing the kingdom move. You need to verify your purpose by building up the kingdom because even pastors can be living out their purpose and they can make it about themselves. It's called narcissism. You ever heard of that? And so you have to be careful. Is this about the glory of God or am I starting to get the attaboys and the girls and feeling good about myself because I now have a purpose? The purpose is to glorify his name. Don't ever forget that. So as I summarize this, and then we're going to go to a, a challenge here as we segue into a time of communion. Let me just say this. You have a purpose in the will of God. And some of that purpose is to find your passions, your abilities, in your context. To live and to seek who God made you to be as a stay-at-home mom. As a single person. As the employee at Caterpillar, the guy on the third shift at SIA, as the fifth grader, you have a purpose. 
if my 99 and a half year old grandmother who is really struggling on this planet, y'all, and is mentally holding on, can be telling the people in her nursing home about Jesus. You have a purpose too. So I don't care if you're retired. What's your purpose? I don't care if you feel like I'm only around a bunch of kids. What's your purpose? What a great purpose, by the way. You have a purpose. Seek the purpose and live it out, and the kingdom of God will flourish. That's what it looks like to walk in Him. Now, here's the problem. We will struggle, right? We will have seasons where we will struggle. So when Jesus was gathered with the disciples, He said, guys, I'm about to go away, and you have a purpose because ain't nobody found nobody. And so He offered them a time of communion. By the way, if you do not have one of these, we have some, a deacon, at least one back there, a couple, another one up there, who will hand you one of these if you did not get one of these. There's a gluten-free offering in the back if you need to go to that. Hold on to them. Go ahead and make them open them when you get them. They're noisy. There's two layers of it. The first layer is the cracker. The second layer is juice. I'm going to keep talking, and we're going to act like the noise doesn't exist, okay? And as you're opening this, don't take them yet. I want you to be reminded that when Jesus was gathered with the disciples in the upper room, he said, I'm about to go away. And you're going to have a struggle, but you have a purpose. And get this, he says this to Peter, who he'd already told, by the end of the night, you will deny me three times. Now, did Peter go after he fell and denied Jesus three times? Oh, I'm done. No, he got back up and planted some seeds in the ground knowing that the springtime will come. And Jesus had even told Peter, Peter, you're my rock. Upon you, this kingdom will build. So if you've got junk in your past, God can recycle it. He can regenerate it. In fact, I would argue that the person who can help the next person go through divorce is the person who's already been through divorce. The person who can help people overcome their abuse issues are the people who have gone through abuse. The people who can help other young mothers who are struggling and wanting to talk like this all the time, right? Are people who have been there, mothers who've been there. So don't discount your strengths, your abilities, and your context. Don't discount who God made you to be because you are here now on this planet, in this moment, in this time to live for the glory of his name you have a purpose it's to walk in him to glorify him by who he made you to be so jesus gave us a way to remind ourselves because we're going to struggle he said i want you to remember that when you don't feel like you have a purpose and when you're struggling that my body was broken for you so take this in remembrance of me And when the tears are on your face or when you're in the celebration of harvest, remember it's not about you. In fact, you will find joy and hope in this world when you trust in me. So, when my blood was poured out for you, I want you to be reminded by this by taking the juice to remember I came for you. Remember it's in me. And the key to some of this is Repentance. In a few moments, we're going to have you a time where you can just get alone with God. But as we live for the glory of God and as we start to worship Him with song, if you want to just come kneel here, there won't be anybody up front right now. There will be later. But if you want to come kneel, if you want to kneel where you're at, if you want to sing where you're at, sing. But would you respond to what God wants you to do because we will worship what we deem worth it. Is He worth it? Are you placing yourself in Him?
Are you trusting your future, your moments with him? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, man, give your life to Jesus. We'll talk to you after about that after the service. Ask the person you came with, how do I know Jesus? But find him. Walk with him. Dwell with him. Because in him we have hope. So God, right here, right now, we ask that you move in the power of your mind. And in the name of Jesus, as broken as we may be, would you be the healer? May we humbly come before you. May we say with our hearts and not just with the words of our mouth. May we say with our, our minds, our heart, our being, our everything, here I am, Lord, available. If I need to be healed today, I'm available. If I need to go tell my neighbor, I'm available. If I need to redefine my way I parent, I'm available. If I need to come to you for the first time, I'm available. God, would you move and breathe? Would your spirit fall on us? In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.